Okay, you probably know we had a had a wedding last week. We were we were gone to New Mexico for Dan's wedding. And Dan and Wes shared a room in our house. And when they left, they left a lot of their junk <laughs> with us. And um, which was kind of cool because I remember uh, going down to their room and sitting on their bed and going through. Wes, I found a lot of your old rap lyrics that you wrote in the journal. You did a good job with that. You're the only person in the world that could make me like rap music, but you did it. Um, And you did a good job. And there were books that they left behind, books I thought would be a real treasure to them, but uh, obviously not. (laughs) They left them behind. I realized that when I go through the basement and, and that all the kids, I'm a book guy, so I buy books for people that I love, and they're not necessarily as book-y, and so they left a lot of them behind. And I realized I have lots of books that I gave. Kind of could have saved a lot of money there. Well, one of the things I noticed was that there was this map, and it was on the wall. You remember this, Wes? Um, it's, a, it's a map of North Manitou Island, one of Michigan's treasures. Beautiful North and South Manitou Island off the Leonard Peninsula, the pinky of the mitten, you know. And we, we hiked there a couple of times. Uh, one time it worked out really great. Uh, the other time it was a good memory. Um, but it was a real difficult experience because we, I was leading the group and I took a wrong turn. Some of you know the story. I took a wrong turn. It added a big, a difficult loop to our hike. And my gout acted up at the same time. And by the time I got to the far side of the island... I, I couldn't walk at all. And so the saga is how the guys drug my lifeless body off the island, kind of how that happened. Here's the irony of it, though. We had this map on the wall of the room for years, 2007, 2008, 2009, 2010, 2011, 2012. This map was on the wall. I didn't really pay attention to it, but it was on the wall of their room. If I had put this map in my backpack, and if I had gotten to that point on the trail where I made a wrong turn and I just looked at the map, I could have a whole different story to tell about that experience. Now, you're, you're looking at me and thinking, you are dumb. You are just dumb. And I just want to say, you're right, and, and you are too. And let me explain why you're dumb too. And that is because you have a Bible, Right? And in the Bible, you have the treasures of the mind of God, and you sometimes use it for a decoration, and you don't follow it. Now, here's what the Bible teaches, and this is the big idea of the message today, and you'll see it in the text. And that is that people who tremble at the Word, who follow the Word, are blessed by God. God blesses people who take the Bible seriously. God blesses people who tremble at the Word. And a curse is on the lives of people who don't tremble at the Word. Listen to what it says in Isaiah chapter 66, verses 1 and 2. Thus says the Lord, Heaven is my throne, earth is my footstool. What is the house that you have built for me? And what is the place of my rest? All these things my hand has made. So all these things came to me, declares the Lord. But this is the one to whom I will look, God says through the prophet Isaiah. This is the one to whom I will look. He or she, we could add, 
who is humble and contrite in spirit and who trembles at my word. People who take the Bible seriously, God looks to them. He blesses them. He favors them. Now, congratulations, because you have reached the end of the Bible with me today. This is the last text. We're finishing the Bible. We're finishing teaching through the book of Revelation today. And what you would expect, I think, when you get to the very end of the book is that last, final, glistening vision of heaven, right? You would expect that, but that is not what you get. Do you have a Bible with you today? Or can you scroll to the passage or look it up? Because what you're going to see is... And if you read the text, which we're going to do in a minute, you'll see that something is emphasized by repetition. It's in there a number of times. It's emphasized by repetition. You can see the big idea of the text today because it's repeated so often. But it's also emphasized by its placement in the text. It's, the text is bracketed with this idea. It begins with this idea and it ends with this idea. So it's the big idea because it's repeated throughout the text. And it's the big idea, we know it, because it begins the text and it ends the text and it ends the Bible. This is the last word of the Bible. So you want to know what that is, you'll see it when we read, but I'll just give you a little head start in case you're groggy and you had one too many donuts today. You're going to notice that over and over again, the text begins in verse 6 of chapter 22, goes to verse 21, and notice in verse 6 it talks about the Bible. It talks about the truth of God. It says, these words are faithful and true. In verse 7, that's an angel speaking. In verse 7, Jesus is speaking, and he says, who, he, he says, blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. There's the big idea expressed the first time. Jesus is saying it. Bless, you want a blessing? You want your life to be blessed? The one who keeps the words of this book his life will be blessed, okay? Then the, the same idea occurs in verse 9. The words of this book, those who, this is the angel speaking to John and correcting, angel, John wants to worship the angel, and the angel says, don't worship me, and he directs him to the book again and to worship God. That's in verse 9. In verse 10, it says, he said to me, do not seal the words of the prophecy of this book. In verse 14, it says, blessed are those who do his commandments, which is another way of talking about the book and the words. And then there's a frightening, there's a sobering warning in verse 18. I testify everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, the things that are written in this book, verse 19, the words of this book, verse 19, the very end, which are written in this book. So obviously... When we get to the end of the Bible, the last word of the Bible is about the Bible. The last word of the Bible is about the reliability of the Bible. The last word of the Bible is a blessing on people who tremble at his word, who take the Bible seriously. That's the last word. Let's read the text now. Verse 6. Then he said to me, these words are faithful and true. And the Lord God of the holy prophet sent his angel to show his servants the things which must shortly take place. Now Jesus is speaking in verse 7. Behold, I am coming quickly. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. Now I, John, saw and heard these things. And when I heard and saw, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel who showed me these things. And he said to me, see that you do not do that. I am your fellow servant and of your brother and the prophets and of those who keep the words of this book. Worship God. And he said to me, do not seal the words of the prophecy of this book for the time is at hand. 
He who is unjust, let him be unjust still. He who is filthy, let him be filthy still. He who is righteous, let him be righteous still. He who is holy, let him be holy still. And behold, Jesus says, behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Here it is again, big idea, right? Blessed are those who do his commandments that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter through the gates into the city, but outside are dogs, sorcerers, sexually immoral, murderers and idolaters, and whoever loves and practices a lie. Jesus speaks again. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright and morning star. The Spirit and the bride say, Come. Let him who hears say, Come. Let him who thirsts come, whoever desires, let him take of the water of life freely. For I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to these things, God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. If anyone takes away from the words of this book of this prophecy, from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part from the book of life, from the holy city, from the things which are written in this book. He who testifies to me these things says, surely I'm coming quickly. Amen. Even so come, Lord Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Well, when, when, when uh, my grandfather died, I got a book out of his library. It was a special book on preaching. I have this in my library, and a couple of years ago, I just pulled it off the shelf, and I realized it was also the book where he kept all of his four-leaf clovers. He had amazing eyesight, and he could find four-leaf clovers from the seat of his tractor. He'd point them out to me, and I couldn't find them, and he would actually get off the tractor and go over and show me. And then he would pick these and put them in this book. This was uh, a book on preaching. It wasn't his Bible. My grandfather didn't use his Bible to collect things, right? Some people do that, right? Their Bible is like gathering dust or it's artifacts, you know, the Bible is the Word of God. We're talking here about trembling at the Word. The Bible is not a collection of happy sentiments. The Bible is not a good luck charm. The Bible is not a book of suggestions. Take it or leave it, suggestions. The Bible is not one you know, book equal among other books. It's not one of the great books of the world. The Bible is not a book that contains some truth. The Bible isn't just wisdom or entertainment or information or inspiration. And the Bible is much more than that. The Bible is the very word of the living God. A, a perfect in its original autographs. And faithfully, <coughs> faithfully and providentially protected to be delivered to us uniquely the word of God. Inspired by God. Holy men of old spoke as they were carried along they <coughs> by the Holy Spirit. The words of the Bible are God-breathed. They're not inspiring. They're not just inspiring. They're inspired. They're God-breathed. So the, the Word of God is a unique book. This, would, this is why if you take the Bible seriously, your life is going to be blessed. How simple. This is a really simple message. Um, but I'm going to show you in the text today a bunch of different things that happen when people tremble at the Word. When they show their reverence for God by showing their reverence for God's Word. And this is true because the Bible says it. It's true. But if you look around, you can see this in the world that we live in. 
when people take the Bible seriously, the blessing of God is on their life. And when they disregard the Bible, it's like they have a curse on them. They actually do have a curse on them. So which way would you like to live? Would you like to have the blessing of God on your life? Or would you like to have a curse? Well, that's easy, right? I have this horrifying thing people often say. Maybe you've said it. It's real, it spills out real easily. I know the Bible says, but I. You ever heard somebody say that? I know what the Bible says. And this, people say this to me a lot. And I'm a pastor. You would think they would know not to tell a pastor something like this. I know the Bible says, but I'll tell you what I think. You kind of want to go, doesn't matter a lot what you think if the Bible really does say that and teach that. There are things that are interpretive. There are things that the Bible doesn't specifically address that you have to use your wisdom to decide. I get that. Um, The Lord wants us to use our minds to understand the Bible. But the people that yield to God, and they show that they're yielding to God because they yield to the Bible, are people that are going to have the blessing of the Lord on their life. This is what what the Bible teaches. So I want you to notice some things here, and there are uh, five of them, only five today. What happens when you tremble at the word? First, you'll take the promises and warnings of the Bible seriously. Look at verses 6 and 7. He said to me, these words are faithful and true. The Lord God of the holy prophet sent his angel to show his servant the things which must shortly take the place. Behold, I'm coming quickly. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. If you take the Bible seriously, then what you're going to find is that you will take the warnings of God seriously and you will take the promises of God seriously. If the Bible says something's valuable, then you believe it's valuable. If if the Bible says something's worthless, then you believe it's worthless. Did you hear about the guy who owned 10% of a little startup company in 1976? He owned 10% of a little startup company that started in a guy's garage named after a fruit. He owned 10% of it. He thought it wasn't that valuable, so he sold it for $800. 10% of Apple today is worth $57 billion. I could live comfortably on $57 billion. I I could live comfortably on a tithe of $57 billion. I just bring up tithing every once in a while for fun. Passers do that. Imagine that. You say, wow, if I only knew what company was going to be valuable in the future, then I would know how to invest. Well, guess what? I have good news for you. If you have a Bible in your lap, you know what company is going to be valuable in the future. You know what's going to be worthy in the end. Thou art worthy. Jesus is worthy. Heaven is worthy. The things of God are worthy. Lost souls are worthy. The kingdom of God is worthy. Work for God is worthy. In the end, we're all going to know that. And we're going to wish we hadn't sold our, our stock cheap. Right? This is uh, what he, people who take the Bible seriously. They take the warnings of God and the promises of God seriously. Uh, one of my favorite uh, speakers. Thank you for reading my mind. Thank you. I bless you. All right. So, so um, uh, one, of, one of my favorite preachers was a guy who died this year. His name was Fred Craddock. And Fred Craddock likes to tell about Miss Emma Sloan was his Sunday school teacher. He said she wasn't all that smart. And she would tell him, I'm not that smart. I'm not even going to explain the Bible. That's what she said. She says, a lot of people are really smart and they can explain the Bible. I hate to drink in front of you. Um, but she said... So I'm not that smart, so I'm just going to teach you the Bible, that's all. I'm just going to teach you to memorize the Bible. And she had a real simple way of doing it. 
Uh, matter of fact, I, I, I have it written down here. It's kind of cute. Here's what Fred Craddock said. This guy's in his 80s when he's writing this. A, a soft answer turns away wrath. B, be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. C, come unto me all you who are labor and are heavy laden. Miss Emma Sloan taught them to memorize the Bible with these little alphabet things. D, do unto others as you would have them do to you. E, every good and perfect gift is from above. F, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Fred Craddock said into his 80s, these passages would come back to his mind. And it was like the Holy Spirit would bring these passages back to his mind right at the right time. These are not just inspirational sayings. This is the word of the living God. And so if you want to have a blessed life, what God is saying at the end of his book is this. If you want to be blessed, my words are faithful and true. You can build your life on my words. You can invest based on my words. You can trust my words. Isn't that beautiful? Here's the second thing then. The second thing is, if you take the word seriously, you'll take the warnings and the promises of God seriously. And if you tremble at his word, you will take worship seriously. And you will recognize that really all of your life is worship, not just what we do when we gather right here, but that all of your life is worship. Did you read A.W. Tozer's book, The Pursuit of God? How many of you have read that? Raise your hand. That's a great classic. A.W. Tozer's book, The Pursuit of God. Chapter 10 of A.W. Tozer's book, The Pursuit of God, it is, the title is The Sacrament of Living. The Sacrament of Living. The sacred thing that living is. And the point of the chapter, I'll save you having to read the whole thing, although it's rich, is this. The, like the Bible says, whether we eat or drink or whatever we do, we do to the glory of God. It's not just church that's sacred. It's your work that's sacred. It's mowing the lawn that's sacred. It's how you coach the softball team that's sacred. It's how you bake the bread is sacred. And how you drive to work is sacred. And the inter- exchanges that you have with coworkers on the most common level are sacred. Living is a sacrament. It's sacred. Living is sacred. And therefore, everything you do is worship. And worship is driven by what we know about God in the Word and how we interpret our life based on the Word. Now, here's where we see this in our text today, verses 8 and 9. John, because he's in these ominous circumstances, he does what he's done before. He makes the mistake of worshiping an angel. Understand this, you only worship God, right? And the angel says, worship Jesus. Jesus is God. Or he's not good because he receives worship. But it says here, Now I, John, saw, heard these things, and when I heard and saw, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel. And he said, don't do that. I'm your servant, and that of your brethren and prophets, and those who, and the angel brings it back to the book, and those who keep the words of the book. And then he says, worship God, right? Worship God. Really good advice to you. People who tremble at the word, their life is worship. When something good happens to them, they worship God. They fall on their face and go, God, you're so good, thank you. Listen, when something bad happens to them, they worship God. Job, his life message was to worship God when bad things were happening to him. Choir, thank you for your ministry today. Choir, thank you for that. Say thank you to the choir right now for that beautiful song. Would you do that? Just thank him. Some through the water, some through the flood, some through the fire, but all through the blood. 
some through great sorrow, but God gives us song in the night seasons and all the day long. Some through great sorrow, but God gives us song. David was betrayed by his own son Absalom. How sad. The kingdom was taken away from him, and then everybody was, who's going to be loyal to David now, and who's not going to be loyal to David now? And some people, they turned against him, and some people toward, turned toward him, and he literally had to flee, and, and, and he had to flee for his life. The king had to flee for his life because his own son and his closest associates betrayed him. So what did David do? It's interesting, because if you read this passage in 2 Samuel chapter 15 and verse 32, it says, David, when he got to the top of the mountain, while he's fleeing Absalom and his enemies, he got to the top of the mountain, and it says what? And there he worshipped the Lord. Whatever God is letting you go through, whatever God is taking you through, whatever God has put you through, Worship him. He's worthy. That might be the whole point. You give him praise. You worship. That was the whole point for Job. God says, watch. This man is never going to stop worshiping me. Now, Mike, I got that card from your brother's widow. Beautiful picture. I know it's just painful. And they, gave, they put in the context of that Mike's brother passed away. Most of you guys know young. And they put in that card, he was faithful in his assignment from the Lord. It's not what we want to say, but sometimes God's going to give us a really hard assignment. And it's not the assignment we wanted. We wanted long life. We wanted perfect marriage. We wanted kids that don't rebel. We wanted everything to be. We didn't want a cancer diagnosis. We didn't want that. But if God gives us that assignment... We are informed by the word of God that there is an eternal life. And what do we do? We, what? Worship him. We worship him. People who take the Bible seriously are blessed because they have the promises and the warnings of the Bible. and They take those seriously. People who take the Bible seriously are blessed because they worship God all the time. And that's what life is all about. They're blessed because they do that. Third thing, when you take the Bible seriously... When you tremble at the word, you take spreading the word seriously. Notice that's what it says in verse 10. He said to me, this is a little enigmatic, a little mysterious. Notice what it says. He said to me, do not seal the words of the prophecy of this book for the time is at hand. What does that mean? Well, there are other times it says seal the words. There's one other spot that says seal the words. Don't tell people this. In this point, it says don't seal this, tell everybody. In other words, and verse 17 says the same thing. Notice in verse 17, the spirit and the bride say, come. Tell them, God, Jesus, come back. Right? The spirit and the bride, who's that? Spirit of God and the church are saying to Jesus, come back. Come back. And then it says, and let him who hears say, come. What does that mean? Those of us who hear that invitation, we're invited to invite. This is keep it simple. Our job, a big part of our job, is having been invited, we invite. Just get excited and invite people. Churches explode when God's people take inviting seriously. That's what happens. When pastors invite, people expect them to do that. They're paid for that. When the common person invites, people are like, what's up with that? It's like recommending a good restaurant. You know, you have to go now that your friend recommended that. And this is what happens here. So I heard a story this week of Albert McMakin. 
Years ago, Albert McMakin had a, had a farm, and he had a truck. It was back a long time ago when very few people had motor vehicles. He had a truck. He was a farmer, a produce farmer, and he had this truck. There was a tent meeting, an evangelistic meeting in town, and, and it was going to be a tent, and it was going to be this, uh, I think it was Mordecai Ham, it was going to come to town, and it was going to preach the gospel. This is a simple farmer who had a truck. And he thought of the young men that worked, and he said, how would you guys like to go to the revival meeting with me tonight? And they all said, no, we're not interested. Nobody wanted to go. And then to one of them, a, a, a kid named Billy, he said, hey, Billy, if you go, you can drive my truck. So Billy Graham drove the truck. And his life got changed that night. And you know what? When my dad was a young man in his 20s, you probably know, reading Billy Graham's book, Peace with God, he got saved. So if you think about it, that truck, that, that farmer with a truck touched Billy Graham's life and touched my dad's life and touched my life and touched your life. And all he did was invite some boys and let them drive his truck. Friends, let's keep this in mind. People who take the Bible seriously... They take the promises and warnings of God seriously. And people who take the Bible seriously and tremble at God's word, not only is, do they take the, the warnings and the promises of God seriously, but they take worship seriously, and they take spreading the word seriously. They get the word out. This is number four. Four of five, I would remind you. People who tremble at the word, they take personal self-examination seriously. This, this next text is going to describe two kinds of people. It's going to describe the faithful. It's going to describe other people that are, their lives are characterized by sin and rebellion against God. And the implied here is that you want to examine yourself to make sure you're the kind of person who, who, make, who gets to heaven. People, you understand, you don't have to... The entrance to heaven isn't because you did righteous acts. The interest is in heaven because Jesus did a righteous act and you believed in him. But if you say that Jesus did a righteous act for you and you believed in him and there are no righteous acts in your life, the Bible says you are deceiving yourself and you will not go to heaven. So we live in a time when a lot of people are getting the idea about grace and so they talk about grace and they ought to talk about grace. And they'll say, I believe in salvation by grace through faith alone and I'm good. And then you watch their life and they're getting drunk, and you watch their life, and they're fornicating, and you watch their life, and they got a porn habit, and you watch their life, and it's not righteous, you want to be really kind of careful that you, don't, that you don't find yourself hearing from the Lord, depart from me, I never knew you. People who have no righteousness in their life, no, no hatred for sin, no life of God, they're not saved. Even if they profess to be saved, many will profess to be saved. So for that reason, the Bible regularly tells us if we take the word seriously, we take self-examination seriously. As a matter of fact, the Bible actually teaches that the word is like a mirror that shows us who we are. A really good reason to get into the word regularly, and not, for, not to teach other people just for that reason, but so that you can see who you really are in, in the mirror of the word. And so you'll notice this. In verse 11, there's another mysterious kind of enigmatic statement. He who is unjust, let him be unjust still. He who is filthy, let him be filthy still. He who is righteous, let him be righteous still. He who is holy, let him be holy still. To put this very simply, what John is saying here is this is the point in time when things are fixed and will not change. 
There'll come a time when you can, there's a time you can repent. There's a time that God will miraculously allow you to change. But there will come a time when there will be no repentance and there will be no changing. And there'll be a fixed time. And, and John's describing that time. And so you don't know when that time is. Behold, I come quickly. The idea means I could come at any time. You don't know when I could come. So you want to make sure that you're always right with the Lord. And verse 12 says, And behold, I'm coming quickly. My reward is with me to give everyone according to his work. And the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning of the end, the first, the last. Blessed are those who do his commandments. Christians are characterized by doing the commandments of God and that they may have the right to the tree of life, may enter the gates of the city, but outside are dogs, sorcerers, sexually immoral, murderers, idolaters, whoever loves and practices a lie. Listen, stop right now. Think about this. I just want to recommend to every single one of you, no exceptions, me and you, all of us, without thinking of others right now, think only of yourself. Read the Word of God and ask yourself regularly the question, am I right with God? Do I have the life of God in me? Am I genuinely born again? Like, do I hate sin more? Do I grieve more when I sin? Does, does sin grieve me or, or like interest me? Is there evidence that there's a growing righteousness in my life? These are evidences that the life of God is in you. And it would be horrible, wouldn't it, if we are trying to correct teaching that, you have to, that people sometimes teach you have to do works to be saved. And we tried to correct that teaching by preaching grace. And people misunderstood that. And they thought that meant all they have to do is kind of like say a little formula about Jesus. And their life doesn't change. Here, here's a, can, can I say it in a way? I'll repeat something to you. I'll repeat this because it's something you might want to use. Asking people, do you believe that salvation is a free gift or something you'd have to earn? Answer is free gift. Okay, that's right. People don't know the Lord won't answer that right, right? But here's a follow-up on that. So if you get the free gift of eternal life, what comes with that? The, well, one of the things that comes with it is you're indwelt by the Holy Spirit. You're baptized by the Holy Spirit into the body of Christ. You're indwelt by the Holy Spirit. Another way of saying that would be, now that you're saved and you receive the free gift of eternal life, you are now possessed by the living God in your spirit. Can I ask you a question? How many of you think if a person was demon-possessed, right, that would have an effect on them? How many of you think? Yeah, yeah. Okay, and a demon is not omnipotent like God. So if a person is possessed by the Holy Spirit, wouldn't you expect it would have an effect on them? Wouldn't they have godly impulses all the time? Right? Like if the Bible says, be not unequally yoked together with an unbeliever, and a believer who has the Holy Spirit living in him, and the Holy Spirit is God, he's supposed to be in charge of your life, and you don't go out and date an unbeliever and marry an unbeliever, because that would be, that'd be like saying, I know the Bible says, but I... And you're going to have a curse on your life. It's not irreversible, you understand, but you're not going to have a curse on your life. Does that make sense? It's true with other things too. You'll take self-examination very seriously if you take the word seriously. So let's review. Number one, if you take the Bible seriously, if you tremble at the word, you'll take the warnings of, and the promises of God seriously. You'll take the worship seriously. You'll take the word, the, the spreading of the word seriously. You'll take self-examination seriously. And here, here's um, another. You'll live looking up. You'll live looking up. In other words, you'll take the return of Christ seriously. If you really believe the Bible, then I was reading uh, this week in C.S. Lewis's, I was rereading uh, uh, the Screwtape Letters. 
In his screw tape letters, one of the things that C.S. Lewis indirectly teaches through the, you know, through wormwood, through screw tape, speaking to wormwood, is this. Real Christians have two different things they keep in mind all the time. The present moment and eternity. Because they're the two things that matter. The present moment and eternity. Because what you do in the present moment is going to have effect on eternity, and eternity should always be in your heart. And this is what we're talking about here. You, uh, you take the second coming seriously. You live looking up. You live with a sense of anticipation. When I was a kid, my, in about late March or early April, we would get this, like, do you remember the A.B. Dick spirit duplicator stuff? If you're a teacher, you know all about this, right? Do you remember that? When you were in school, they had a road... You're looking funny at me like you don't know what I'm talking about. Anyway, they used to make copies with this blue ink, right? You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> You're enjoying this. Anyway, you know, they, they, would, they would run off this brochure. This camp that we went to was real cheap, and it was real humble and real, real modest. It wasn't like, like Lake Ann with lodges and all that stuff, you know, real food and everything. This is a little city park. This is a little dump of a camp, you know. Oh, my goodness, we love that camp. So my sister and I, when we got the brochure in late March, it'd still be kind of cold out, we would go in one of our bedrooms, and we would take that camp brochure. It always said the same thing every year, what the weeks of camp were, what to bring, what not to bring, all the activities they had, like tetherball, volleyball, ping pong, all the activities. We would go in, and we would sit on the bed, my sister and I, and we would hold that little brochure, and we would read it over and over. I'll never forget this. We felt so close. We would read that over and over again, and we would imagine how neat it was going to be to go to camp, where everybody's a Christian, you know, that's the idea, where every night, you know, there's going to be a Vesper service, and we're going to sing and preach, and this is going to be, we're going to eat meals together, and there's going to be girls there, and there's going to be guys there, no small thing, you know. And we would just, we would just hold on to that brochure, and we would never let go of that thing. And we would go back and have that conversation every once in a while. And we'd start thinking, you know, I'm going to get new shoes. My mom and dad would give us a little bit of money. And we'd get a new pair of shoes, maybe a new pair of jeans or a pair of shorts for camp. And we look forward to it. People who really know the Lord and who really believe that Jesus is coming back, we gather our, we, we hold our Bibles and we, sometimes we talk and we say, it's going to come a time when all that's bad is going to be good and all that's wrong is going to be right, and all that's sad is going to be joyful, and all that's unjust is going to be eternally just. And that makes our lives so much different than other people. We take the Bible seriously, and so we look up at the future. We look forward to the future. You have a beautiful invitation from Jesus in verses 16 and 17. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify you the things to the churches, I'm the root and offspring of David, bright and morning star. Listen to me, listen to who's talking. <laughs> Spirit and bride, say, come, yes, do that. Let him who hears, that's us, say, come. Everyone who thirsts, let him come. Whoever desires, let him take of the water of life freely. There's an open invitation there in verses 16 and 17. Then you have a serious warning in verses 18 and 19. And this is critical. Listen careful. 18 and 19 say, basically say this. Don't add to the Bible. Don't take away from the Bible. A lot of times people don't get the first part. 
they don't take away from the Bible, but they add just to be saved. The Bible says there's a curse on both of those things. So those of us with a fundamentalist background need to be really careful that we don't do what a lot of people have done in historic fundamentalism and add things to the Bible just to be safe. Because that isn't conservative. That's perverting the Bible. See what I mean? That isn't a good thing. That's a bad thing. That's not a thing that's going to be helpful to us. That's a thing that's going to be harmful to us. It's going to be harmful to take away from the Bible. Can I get an amen? It's going to be harmful to add to the Bible. Can I get an amen? See what I'm saying? The Bible is enough. It's sufficient. We have the Word of God. God has spoken. Let's obey the Bible. Let's trust God and the Bible. Don't add to it. Don't take away. There's a final reminder in verse 20. He who testifies to these things says, Surely I'm coming quickly. This is very, almost the last word of the Bible is, Remember, I could come back at any time. But now the final word of the Bible is interesting. And that's going to be in verse 21. Vance Havner was an old Southern Baptist evangelist. Here, he said when he was a boy, he had an arithmetic book, and arithmetic was really hard for him. But he discovered halfway through the year once that all the answers were in the back of the book. You know that, right? And so he would just look in the back of the book. If he ever was stuck, he would look in the back of the book. Vance Havner ministered way into his 80s. And he would go all around the country, a little squirrely guy with big ears, his skinny guy, and a real high voice, wonderful man. And he would say, one thing I've discovered as I've traveled up and down this land is the answers are in the back of this book. Whatever the problems are, the answers are in the back of the book. In the back of the book, what does it say? The second from the last word is, behold, I'm coming. Could be any moment. I'm coming quickly. And the very last word of the Bible is really interesting. You know what it is? Isn't that beautiful? The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with all of you. The Bible ends with God's offer of a gift to all who come to him. That's how the Bible ends. So sweetly, so beautifully. There are, there are promises, there are warnings in the Bible. There are terrifying warnings in the Bible. But the way it ends is the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Let me show you something before we quit. I want you to notice in Jeremiah chapter 17 and verse 5. Here's what it says. Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart departs from the Lord. For he shall be like a shrub in the desert and shall not see when good comes, but shall inhabit the parched places of the wilderness in a salt land which is not inhabited. Cursed is the man who trusts in man. Cursed. There's another passage that follows it immediately, verse 8 and 9. Sorry, it's verse 7 and 8. Blessed is the man who trusts the Lord, whose hope is in the Lord. He'll be like a tree planted by waters, which spreads out its roots in the river. and He'll not fear when heat comes. His leaf will be green. He will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit. Well, this, is what, this is what God says to us. This is what John says to us at the very end of the Bible. And he says it emphatically. And he says it poetically. He says it with powerful conviction. Get it in your mind. People who tremble at the word will have lives that are blessed. And people who disregard the word will inevitably have lives that are cursed. 
And the last word of the Bible is a word of an offer of grace, which means charis, gift. It's God who has everything offering to gift anybody who's thirsty. I think it would be appropriate for us to stand and sing our theme song for this study of Revelation. It's been even so come. And then we have a special treat for you as we have one of our missionaries, I think, is going to come and close in prayer.